difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains over here. Yeah. And you can stay over there. Again, ladies and gentlemen, only on, it is Last Call. Last Call of the Alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And we're going to kick things off here with a man who's looking for redemption. And, well, it's going to be happening once again, this time all the way out in Oklahoma. It will be Joshua Franco versus Andrew Maloney. A lot of people looking forward to this fight. We are, too. And, well, joining me here on the line, a man who, well, he, he still feels that he won a second fight. And, well, he's just happy it's not in Vegas. I give you, it's the pride and joy of Australia. I give you Andrew Maloney. Andrew, it's you. It's Joshua Franco, the trilogy, August 14th. Uh, how much have you been looking forward to this? Because, you know, after the second fight when we talked, you were just beside yourself and everything that had gone on that was just wonky. Yeah, that's right, mate. Uh, uh, firstly, thank you for having me on the show again. It's always a pleasure. Um and yeah, finally, this this the uh, the trilogy fight against Franco is is almost here. It's it's been a long time coming. Uh, it's going to be nine months between the two fights by the time we get in the ring. And um, every day I've thought about that second fight and what they did to me in Vegas. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that I should have been crowned world champion again that night, but that was taken away from me. And uh, August 14, I got the opportunity to to right that wrong and and get my world total back, and that's exactly what I plan on doing. Let's start off here with the big question. It was, uh, how big was it for you that this fight did not land back in Vegas? Because I know that you know, it's nothing personal, just after everything that happened with the second fight, how much were you going, no, I'm not going back there. No, I'm not dealing with this. No, I don't want to deal with people who just can't get their act together. Yeah, look, I'm definitely happy the fight's not in Vegas again this time, after what happened last time, but... um. I would have loved the fight to be in Australia. We um we tried to make that happen, but unfortunately with the COVID restrictions here, things are quite strict here in Australia. Um, would mean that Franco's team would have to do a hotel quarantine for two weeks before the fight, which I understand wasn't wasn't fair on on their part. Um, they need to continue training, so um we 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 uh we were happy to come back to America and, and do the third fight. Um, I'm just looking forward to getting back in the ring. So I didn't really care where it was, but it does make me feel a little bit better that it's not going to be in Vegas this time and it's going to be in Oklahoma and hopefully I'll get a fair shake this time. It's close to his turf. So that's the, that's the only good thing part of it. I guess I'm guessing you and your team worried about, you know, he is a Texas kid. He, he, he basically doesn't have to worry about, you know, traveling, travel zones, you know, sleep patterns. He can just, for him, it's just a quick short flight. Like for me, where I would say, you know, maybe Sydney to, the coast is, or north North coast. How big is it for you having to not just prepare in front of the fight, prepare for, you know, time zone travel, you know, having to, you know, worry about your weight, doing all this while COVID is still going on in Australia. I mean, how much is this for you a bit of a pain having to do everything you usually do for an overseas fight? And oh, by the way, we got so you have big COVID restrictions. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the biggest thing for, for us coming to America is just the time away from my family. Uh, last year, I spent five months away from, from my young family. Uh, I've got a young son who uh, turns two next next Thursday. 
Um, and I spent five months away from him last year to, to have those fights in America. So I was looking forward to fighting here in Australia and not having to spend so much time away, but it wasn't to be. So we're going back to, back to America um, next, uh, this coming Friday. Um, so we'll spend seven weeks away this time again um, to make sure that we acclimatise to the time zone, to the weather, um, and get some good sparring in America before the fight and um, prepare as good as we can. So I then have to come home and, and do two-week hotel quarantine before I can see my family again. So, yeah, it's a big sacrifice, a, a lot of time away from them. But um, that's what I've got to do to get this world title back. Then then that's what I'll do. Tell me about your son because the video has come out. You know, a lot of people have seen it now. It's, you know, you're in the ring. You're just shadow boxing. And he's there. And he's just, you know – sort of playing around, you know, for him, he doesn't get it yet. It's still daddy and him just playing. How nice is that at times, you know, despite everything going on, that you, there are moments where you can just be with your son, be with the family, you know, sort of, you know, still have, you know, dad and, you know, dad and lad time, even when you're training. Yeah. I mean, it's great. As, as I said, I spent five months away from him last year whilst, whilst training and, and fighting in America. And uh, it's been great, even though, um, it's been a long time in between these two fights, uh, which I've, I've been itching to get back in the ring. But having this time to, you know, still train extremely hard, but, you know, be able to spend time with him has been great um, and something that, you know, I'm really grateful for. Um, and he, he's my motivation. Um, that's He's the thing that, you know, he's the one that makes me get up early each morning and, and, and train my hardest every day to, to make sure I win this fight and, uh, you know, provide a good future for him. It's you know how it is. This is a sport where there's ups and downs, there's peaks and valleys. There's people who say, Oh, you're great one day, the next day you're not. And last year, both you and your brother saw that. I mean, when you guys came in, you were undefeated. Your brother only had one loss. And unfortunately, you know, just the way the sport is, you know, you went oh one and one against Franco. He lost to Monster in a way. How much of that did those losses those sort of help shape you guys in terms of you figured out quickly, okay, who was around for the ride? Who was, you know, who's there for you? Which people were just blowing smoke? Which people were, you know, in your corner? I mean, how much do these fights help sort of, you know, for you guys to figure out, okay, we know who's really with us and who's just sort of a fair weather fan? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's more so that uh, in this, this sport of boxing the, these days, you know, one loss and everyone writes you off and thinks that, you know, you're finished and that's the end of you. Um, I think that's the whole sort of Mayweather thing. The staying undefeated has become so important these days and, and people think that one loss defines your whole career. But um, that loss just made me even more determined to to train harder and to fight harder and to make sure that I never lose again. And, and, and most importantly, to go out there and, and beat Joshua Franco in that rematch to prove to people that I'm much better than I showed in that first fight and to get that respect back. And, and I believe I did beat him in that second fight, but as people saw they they didn't give me the decision. So that fight is still there and still burning. And I'm determined to, to win this next fight and to show people that I am the true champion and I am better than Joshua Franco. Take me to the second fight. What changed mentally? Because the first fight, it seemed like you just, you got caught up in a brawl and he, he was able to do what he wants to do, which is in your face, in your face. I'm going to make it to a phone booth fight, sort of like a Rottweiler on a stake. He just never lets up. What changed in the second fight? Was it just knowing him? Was it, you know, being more 
I guess, diligent in your game plan? Like, what changed mentally for you that second fight? Oh, it's everything. It's it's hard to pin pinpoint it exactly, but I think it's it's more so just that determination that I just spoke about after losing that fight. I I went back home and, and reassessed everything and just it proved to me just how much I want this and um, how important this sport is to me and and to the future of my family and my son as we just spoke about as well and just proved to myself how much I really want this and how determined I was to win that fight. I trained just so hard I put it lift you know went to the next gear and everything that I did and every day I I, I trained my trained my hardest every day to make sure that I was going to win that second fight and as as I said I believe I won that fight and it was taken away from me so that determination is still there for this time around and I've been training extremely hard over the last seven months and and um we still got one month to go and I'm going to get in that ring in the best shape of my life and determined to win this fight. I was, as we said, is going on here, and you know, we've talked. We talked about family with you. We've talked about everything here. It's how weird is it though now because you're being looked up to by a new generation. And before this, it was Jeff Finch, and then Sam Solomon came along, and then you know Michael Katsidis, and now it's the you know it's Joseph Parker to an extent. You know, I know he's New Zealand, it's still different thing, and now it's the two of you now it's George Cambosos. How weird is it? You know, when you're now the role models, you're now the people everybody looks up to. You're now the, the success story of, Hey, they're fighting on the main stage. You're in America. They're, they're fighting for world titles. Does it get weird where you've gone from the young kid looking up to people. And now you're the veteran that everybody's looking up to going, Hey, we won't be just like them. We, these are, he is our role model. He's, he's the guy we look up to. Yeah, it certainly gives me motivation to um, to set an example and to inspire the the next generation of, of young Australian fighters because, you know, America, America is the, the mecca of boxing. That's the, the big stage. And that's where us young kids growing up in Australia dream to fight and, you know, to, to headline shows in America and fight for world titles and win world titles. And, and that's what I'm doing at the moment. And... I want to prove to them that it is possible to win these fights and to, to fight at that level um, because it feels so far away in Australia. You know, that, that big stage in America, the bright lights that you see on TV, it, it feels like so far away. It almost feels impossible. But, uh, you know, I want to prove that it's not impossible and to go out there and win this fight, win this world title back and, yeah, inspire the next generation of young Australian fighters. It's, it's a lot. This fight is, how tough is this fight in, in a sense of this? You win, and all of a sudden you're talking about, well, you know, Maloney versus Kazuto Uyuka, Australia. That has a nice ring to it. Or yeah, Roman Gonzalez versus, Jason, versus Andrew Maloney. That has a beautiful ring to it. Juan Estrada <laughs> versus Maloney all in Sydney, Australia, 2022. Baby, we're booking it. Jello shots around in the strip clubs. It's easy to think of all these big fights, but you got to get five. This guy, Joshua Franco. I know you beat him the, first, the second time. I mean, as you said, you were winning that fight. Vegas screwed a whole pooch up. How big is the vote to remember that he still won that first fight, that he is still a dangerous animal, that he's still a guy who, in his mind, hey, I'm, I am a champion. I am one coming in here, and I can beat this guy. I, he knows, in his mind, he knows he can beat me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not overlooking Joshua Franco by any means, uh... I understand how important this fight is for my career, and and he is a good fighter. Um, not taking anything away from him, 
but I believe that I can beat him and I will beat him. And, um, you know, I'm not looking past him and into the future too much, but I definitely know that by winning this fight, there is some huge fights ahead of me and the future is definitely bright. The, the super flyweight division is a stacked division and there's lots of great fights out there that I'd love to be a part of. Um, and they would be huge for myself and, you know, for my legacy as an Australian fighter. And uh, that's definitely something that excites me, but i got to get past Joshua Franco first. And that's what my, my 100% focus is at the moment. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to have on the show. I give you, he is, uh, it's going to be August 14th only on ESPN in Oakland, in uh, the Hard Rock uh, Hotel Casino in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I give you, it is, the former WBA World Super Flyweight Champion. I'll give you Andrew Malonia. Andrew, before I let you go, where can fans check this out, check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website, and who are the sponsors going to be for this fight coming up? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I appreciate everyone tuning in to watch this fight and um, supporting me on my journey. Uh, you can follow me on all social media platforms at Andrew Maloney. Maloney spelled M-O-L-O-N-E-Y. And you can follow our website too at www.teamloney.com. And um, my major sponsor is Forest One and um, the Plumbing and Pipe Trades Employees Union. They've been huge supporters of, of mine and, and myself and my, my twin brother, Jason, for many, many years now. And um, we hope to do them proud and we couldn't do it without them. Andrew Maloney, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. Uh, stay tuned, but we got a lot more coming up here only on it is Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Sorry, Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now join me here. Well, we're talking pro wrestling. It's a big weekend here. You've got Slammiversary. you got Money in the Bank. you got all these companies now saying, yes, we're going to come for co-promote. If it can work in boxing, it can work in MMA, sort of. It can work in pro wrestling. Well, we got to bring a guy who knows the sport. So when I get experts, I get experts. And now join me here from the Blue Wire Hustle Network's uh, hit show, Knockouts and Three Counts. I give you, it is uh, the method behind the mayhem over there. I give you, it's, uh, and I apologize, Kyle Paulson here joining us. So, Kyle, not too bad, man. <laughs> Great job your show. I love uh, Knockouts 3 Counts. You guys actually know wrestling and aren't just, you know, fans of one group or another. You actually cover it. So, I'm glad I'm bringing you guys on here. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, man, our show uh, at its origins, it started with four of us. Uh, pandemic kind of, you know, laid a little bit of 
trouble to that. So now uh, I have tagged in my buddy, Corey, who is now a co-host of the show. And it's brought a different dynamic to our show because I'm the one that's been watching pro wrestling for shit. I've been watching pro wrestling since 98. And, uh, you know, he never was the biggest wrestling guy. But like you said, we also cover MMA, but I also can help there because I have a purple belt in jujitsu and we've had, you know, we've had everybody on there from Booker T and Stevie Ray to uh, Eric Bischoff and Diamond Dallas Page to on the MMA end. We've had guys from UFC, Bellator, Ryzen. And if you guys are fans of the UFC, then you'll know who our guest this Tuesday is going to be. Uh, we'll be covering XFC 45 that's going down on August 6th and Grand Rapids, Michigan on Fox Sports 2. We'll be bringing on the Detroit superstar uh darren kirkshank this tuesday and will be joined this thursday uh by bobby nashy nash who will be going for their welterweight title and just finished up a great show which is already up on our youtube with mr horror style himself mr justin pilgrim before they do their steel cage against the carver at Flophouse. well i gotta say that's a pretty impressive lineup and you guys have done a great job and since you love pro wrestling let's start off the big big topic here slammiversary how big is it for them just to get fans in there? Because they survived. They did, they've done a good job this past year considering everything. They've had a good show. They've had good, you know, ep, you know, they've produced a good product. They started this whole sort of, well, we're going to work with other promoters. How big is it for Slammiversary to have fans so that it feels, you know, real? It's no longer just pumping crowd noise in. There's actually crowds in this building. Uh, dude, I mean, wrestling – wrestling almost more than anything else needs to have fans. I mean, I think that that has become blatantly apparent by what we're seeing on Monday night raw. So now that we're starting to see uh, fans coming back, obviously AEW is already, you know, gotten back there to full fans. WWE is going back to fans tomorrow night. Um, Like I said, man, without the fans bring a whole nother element of excitement Uh, to the shows and that's why i for one am really excited that i'm gonna get to be uh back in attendance with SummerSlam coming up and uh me and my co-host Corey are going to be making the trip to chicago uh for all out and this will be Corey's first big wrestling show so i'm really kind of excited to see uh just what things are going to be like getting back to uh crowds but as far as slam adversary i think it's huge for impact uh, with them being somebody who hasn't had the fans the whole time, like Ring of Honor, uh, I think it's going to be huge for them to have their fans back, especially with some of the names they brought in, like W. Morrissey and all that stuff as well. Let's start off here with you, every year they bring some people in, and we're all and that's that's a big buzz because it's like free agency in football and basketball. You go, ooh, I'm excited for this. Ooh, they signed this guy here, and Pro Wrestling doesn't have as much of that, but they still have it. We've already saw this past episode. It's going to be Matt Cardona in a pay per view versus Brian Myers to Neil Dashwood. I think we all we know hinted, not you know, nudge nudge. Chelsea Green will be showing up. They are you know husband and wife. Who are you? I don't know. Did you watch Ring of Honor Best in the World? I did, but you know they keep teasing that you know he says I have a girl, and she's a bit you know, and they led to you know the uh, the craziness that she does. So I'm guessing she's going to be doing double dipping here because hey. Everybody now is working kumbaya. So, but who should we expect from Slammiversary? Give me some thoughts on who you think will show up 
for Slammiversary for Impact in terms of new blood? Um, so, so here's the thing. Uh, I think Chelsea Green is definitely a, a name that we could see there. I mean, as we've already seen, you know, Ring of Honor uh, has always had no problem with working with other companies and things like that. Uh, I honestly was surprised to see her in Ring of Honor, but I wouldn't be surprised if she shows up at Slammiversary. Uh, as far as other names that I think could come in at Slammiversary, uh, I mean, they've already picked off a couple names uh, from those releases like Macklin and uh, a few others. But as far as like for some of the names that dropped, um, I don't I don't think that he'll maybe show up at uh, Slammiversary, but somebody that I think might be a really good pickup for somewhere like Impact, maybe a Buddy Murphy. Uh you know, I mean, he's been posting that his, uh, you know, non-compete is up uh, next month. So I think he's somebody we could see in there. Uh, as far as like impact stuff, I, I feel like most of what we're going to probably see is going to be some of the old, uh, some of the old, you know, the old guard come back. I don't know necessarily who I see that being, but uh, I'm interested to see where we go with it. Let's talk about one of the unsung matches that Slammiversary has, and we had Ree Rajuwan, so we, we got to talk about past guest of our show as well. I know he 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 was saying he was talking about that here, and he liked you guys. So let's talk about this. He match. does remember us. Hot damn! At least we did something right. <laughs> let's talk about the Ultimate X match. It's Josh Alexander, Rohit Raju, Ace Austin, Trey Miguel, Chris Bay, and P.D. Edwards. Uh, is this the match? If you had to get somebody who doesn't know anything about Impact and say, "All right, you can watch one, you can watch one match in Slamverse, and we'll make you a fan," is this the match? Is this the match you would tell people this will steal the show? This is, you know, basically the match to watch. As far as action wise, I mean, yeah, sure, dude. I mean, with the names that you've got in there, ironic. It's funny you bring that up because we have multiple past guests that are in that show. Um, in that match, uh, Rohit Raju is a past guest of the show. Trey Miguel is a past guest of the show. Um, and Josh Alexander, you know, I've, I, I've been a big, big fan of his stuff for a while. Uh, Josh Alexander is actually going to be working with one of my buddies in Texas, uh, at Pele pro wrestling on July 24th, he'll be making his way out there as well. So, I mean, you've got a good wide array of, uh, talent in this match. Um, but as far as if there were a mat, one match off the card that, uh, I would name on that card. The ultimate X is always a good, uh, good barometer for it. Uh, I think the key to that match though, is it just like, as long as ultimate X matches, like any match like that can sometimes like come across as a little too spotty. I think as long as they keep it, you know, centered around like getting the title and things like that. And it's a genuine battle. I mean, it's, I mean, it's got fireworks written all over it. Deanna Perrazzo, I think, has been the biggest star of Impact Wrestling this past year. And, look, she's done a great job holding the women's division down. She's t- whether, it was, uh, jo- whether it was Jordan Grace, whether it was Taya Valkyrie, uh, Sue Young, she's become their star. And they said it's going to be somebody who's not part of the company, who's not on the roster, who will be making their debut against, against her, basically, at Slammiversary. Who do you want it to be? I mean, we've heard of all these names, whether it's Britt Baker, whether it's Fabio Apache, Chelsea Green, Mickey James. There's even people saying, hey, you know, let's get crazy and bring in 
you know, the Ring, Ring of Honor's uh, champion here. Who would you love to see? If you're Impact Wrestling, you know, Scott Diamore, who do you want to see take on Deanna Perrazzo at Slammiversary? Um, out of the names you mentioned, uh, or even with the people that are there, um, I think I think one of the best choices for Deanna Perrazzo on this one, I think, would maybe be somebody like a Mickey James, uh, especially with her getting ready to do the NWA 70 where she's been doing, you know, she's looking for an opponent for that because that could only, that could also open up that door to kind of cross impact and uh, NWA together. Because I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I feel like that's the area where impact missed most uh, with the whole uh, forbidden door thing with AEW. I really feel like uh, if a lot of impacts women, you know, could have gone over to AEW. I think it would have been very beneficial for, for them on from the platform reason. But also, I mean, we all know that one of the biggest um, one of the biggest uh, downers that people have when it comes to AEW is their women's division. And I think Impact has one of the top two strongest women's divisions in wrestling right now. Uh, as far as an opponent, I think, like I say, I think Mickey James probably would be the best one, I think, only because uh, I feel like her being so hot with, uh, you know, everything that happened with her and them showing the bag in the in the trash can and her prior here, history at Impact, I think it's very possible we could see Mickey James. A match which a lot of people are talking about is, as you said, Eddie Edwards, will, you know, William, William Morrissey. Morrissey looks, you know, revamped. And we keep wondering, you know, I know a lot of people said, why didn't WWE use him like this? But that's a whole different story. Is it safe to say he's going to be champion sooner rather than later? But this is basically for another step in the road to having Impact go, okay, he's the new monster. He's the new, you know, face of a franchise. And in your opinion, how much has he been sort of, you know, rebuilt and reborn as just this no-nonsense monster who's no no joking, no, you know, Enzo, he's just what we all wanted in, whether it was Andre Giant, you know, The Undertaker, or even Braun Strowman, you know, the monster that nobody can stop. So I definitely think he'll be a world champion uh, in Impact. Uh, I don't know how quickly that's going to be because my thing too is like, uh, I'm not a big fan of when they bring people in from other places and like, it's one thing for them to win a title, but I feel like with a guy like uh, Morrissey who they're trying to like rebuild, you know, this new character. Cause like you said, you know, when he was with uh, Enzo, you know, he was like the big bad, you know, bodyguard, but now we've gotten into a place with W Morrissey where he's real calculated, you know, a lot more methodical with what he's doing is just beating the brakes off of people. Um, I, with that being said, I think he's most definitely going to be a world champion in impact and being somebody that listens to a lot of podcasts, uh, shout out to fellow blue wire podcast host, uh, the man himself, Chris Van Bleet, who is also a past guest of my show. Uh, you know, he just did an interview with Morrissey recently and, you know, that was one of the biggest things he talked about was realizing that he had to get his mindset clear and he had to get his mind right and needed to get things back on track. And as you said, he's come back looking like a killer. I think, uh, I mean, 
I feel like Impact would be stupid if at some point they don't get the rocket ship uh, strapped to that guy before one of the other bigger companies, whether that be an AEW or WWE, you know, get their hands on W. Morrissey. We go with two tag team championships matches. We have uh, Fire and Flavor versus Havoc versus Rosemary. We got Violent by Design defending against the Good Good Brothers, TJP and Balabala, Rich Swan and Willie Mack. If you can say one thing about, about Impact Wrestling, what they've done well, is they've made tag teams at least feel important. I mean, the tag team titles have felt important. You know, the women's division has been treated more seriously here. How much do you enjoy that we're going to actually have tag team wrestling, which isn't like an afterthought? Uh, I think they've done a real good uh, job with, I mean, they've had, a, let's, let's talk about, you know, when you talk about impact and AEW, you know, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Josh Alexander in the ultimate X match. I mean, let's not forget that they had one of the best teams, in my opinion, uh, in the last little while in the North um, over there that were running rough shot for a while. I mean, like you said, in the teams you've mentioned, they, they, them along with AEW, from what it seems, you know, have really focused on uh, pure tag teams and, and, and that's something that's cool to see. Um, I, like I said, I've always been a big fan of tag team wrestling. I hate the fact that in uh, a lot of other promotions, it's kind of gotten, you know, pushed back to the wayside, but I mean, you've got, I mean, you've got uh, quite the list of, killers in there for the tag team title match so can you list off one more time who you said in that match and i'll give you who i think is going to win so so the men's match we got violent by the design swan and mac tjp and falabala and the good brothers i think it's safe to say it's going to be either vbd or, or the good brothers and then women's tag team fire and flavor versus havoc and rosemary and i'm calling it right now i think the iconics end up showing up and they start a feud with Fire and Flavor just because it makes sense for all parties. I mean, I would love that. Uh, I'm I was a big fan of Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, formerly now Cassie Lee and uh, Jessica McKay. Uh, I, I I I'm really excited to see where they go and if Impact is going to be where they're going to go. I mean, I'm happy with that because again, as I mentioned, I feel like uh, Impact's women's division uh, is the best in the business, if not top two between them and nxt in my opinion so uh i'm really looking forward to that uh as far as the women's tag team match i don't know man i feel like havoc i feel like havoc has been very underrated for a long time uh and i feel like most people are going to be picking uh you know fire and flavor to win this one but uh for me I don't know. I feel like uh, Havoc and them might bulldoze them as far as the tag match. I think you're right. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that it's going to be VBD or um, uh, the Good Brothers. Uh, I don't really see them dropping the titles right now. Uh, I think, I mean, well, let's see. I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be one or the other of them, but uh, something tells me if I got to pick one, um, I feel like it might be violent by design, man, because uh, if you're watching AEW, you know, if you notice, you know, Kenny's kind of in a little bit of trouble now, uh, a little bit of jeopardy to lose some of his titles. Um, I think violent by design would be a great nomination for them to get that belt. Kenny Omega, Sammy Callahan. It's 
for the Impact World Championship no disqualification. I get why Sammy Callahan. I mean, he's been the guy when you look at it who has just throughout you know this company, but under the new management, I call it. You know, you know Scott Diamore and formerly Don Callis. He's done everything they've wanted best. You want to you want to make the you know the Lucha Brothers stars. He did that. You want to make Brian you know Cage and him you know to uh, must see TV. He did that. You want to put over you know a lot you know even women's. Uh, intergender matches with Tessa Blanchard. He did that. Is this for him sort of the ultimate, you know, reward in that he's getting Kenny Omega, it's for the title, and he probably will walk out with that title. I mean, he's the guy that you look at and go, he is Impact Wrestling. So I've been a very, very big fan of uh, Sammy Callahan, and shout out to uh, Havoc and Sammy Callahan on getting engaged, first of all. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I think uh, Sammy Callahan has flown that impact flag just as high as anybody, even though, you know, if you watch the show, you know, it looked like for a long time he was trying to take it down from within. Uh, but between the stuff that he did with Eddie Edwards with the bat, which I actually got to be in attendance in New Orleans a couple years ago, WrestleMania weekend, when they redid that match after they had the Eddie Edwards spot with the bat. And I got to see that match again under a little different circumstances because it wasn't Sammy Callahan. It was Jeremiah Crane versus uh, Eddie Edwards. But I think Sammy Callahan would be the perfect person to do that. Uh, I was talking with Ryan McKinnell on Tuesday, as I mentioned on our show, and a few other people, and they seem to think this might be the time where Kenny starts to drop some of those titles because along with this match, you know, Kenny is going to face Andrade for the AAA title at AAA Mania. Uh, so this could be where we start to see him drop some of the titles. And personally, and I'll pose this question to you, um, I don't think it would be a bad thing for Sammy Callahan to get the title because honestly, in my opinion, I kind of feel like Impact has really kind of gotten the raw end of the deal with this Forbidden Door thing, because as I mentioned earlier, you know, I feel like there could have been a lot more util utilization of the women of Impact that could have not only gotten Impact more exposure, but it definitely would have helped AEW, as we've seen that that's done with Thunder Rosa, who we got to work with when we sponsored Mission Pro Wrestling, uh, Locked and Loaded, Um I just feel like there were some missed opportunities. So with you being a bigger impact fan, you know, what are your thoughts on this forbidden door? And do you think that it's worked to, uh, I don't, and, and, and I really don't and look, I, I give, I give the wrestlers credit. I always give the fighters, the wrestlers credit. They will do anything to make things work. And they, I, I, you know, every wrestler I've ever interviewed, every fighter I've ever interviewed, they are just very humble people. It's always the promoters. And in this case, and maybe you can agree with me here, I look at sort of the elite. I don't mean them as wrestlers, Cody Rhodes, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the young bucks. But I look at them as Rhodes, Jericho, the Jacksons, and especially Tony Khan. They want to be Vince McMahon. They want to be with WWE. And they've gone around things very sneaky in some ways, I, I'd say. They've, when he first did this whole thing all in, it was, I guess we're going to be it's all of us together, all in one. And you start noticing they start picking talent from other rosters. First, it was New Japan, then Impact Wrestling, then Ring of Honor. This is my question to you. How, will this end, do you think? Because you hear New Japan is not kind of happy because 
nobody, you know, none of their guys, nobody from AEW is being sent over there unless it was by contract design. A, you know, John Mox is one few guys. I'm guessing there's people in you know, Impact Wrestling who are not happy because, hey, you know, it's the, you know, Jericho came out and said, oh, they're not worth us doing an invasion angle. You know, there's, or even Tony Khan saying, yeah, I'm not you know, here to promote, a, to promote Impact Wrestling. Is it safe to say this relationship probably will end? It won't be, it'll be on good terms, but it probably ends because AEW looks more like sort of WCW. They, that's what they want to be. They want to take over. They want to eventually beat the WWE and they have different goals. They don't want to be sort of, you know, all shared, share like they want to go, yes, we'll take your talent and no, we're really not going to help you out. So, like I said, uh, I, in my personal opinion, I, I don't think that it played out the way it could have. I think, uh, you know, you mentioned names like Dr. Britt Baker and things like that. I think that, again, if and again, they still haven't, you know, ended the relationship. So maybe we can see that down the line. But I think one thing that you've seen resoundingly when it comes to fans uh, thoughts on this merger or partnership, I should say. I mean, like I said, I feel like AEW kind of got all the juice and everybody else kind of got the short end of the stick. I think if they would have used the women's division, they could have very much helped AEW with their own women's division with names like Jordan Grace or, uh, I mean, look, you could go down the list. There's Deanna Perrazzo obviously would have killer matches with so many people over there. Uh, I definitely think it could end. And I mean, the bad thing with what you said with the New Japan part is that, uh, look, man, in any good partnership, both sides have to be, you know, seeming like they're getting made whole. It's kind of hard for New Japan or Impact to really feel like they really got much out of the deal because what did you get? I mean, Rich Swan had, what, one match on AEW and then, you know, faced you know, Kenny Omega for the title before Kenny Omega took it. And then what have, who, who have we seen from impact that's even gotten close to really taking that belt off them? I mean, nobody really. Yeah. I mean, as I said, said, I get it. You know, they're in a business of AEW, but I guess my, and Jericho, I get he's, he's always been a big company guy. He likes, you know, working with stars, nothing bad about that. He, views himself as a an A-plus guy. I guess I'm disappointed in the Young Bucks, in Cody Rhodes, because they've been in those shoes. They know what it's like when the big bad monster WWE or WCW comes, gobbles them up, and, well, you're left with nothing. So I guess what I'm frustrated about is that they said the whole thing. They said, oh, we're going to be all of us together. We're going to share and share like. It's been very one-sided in everything. I completely agree with that. I uh... – like I said, I, I think uh, I really feel like AEW kind of, you know, got everything and Impact got the short end of the stick. Uh, I'd like to hope and think that maybe there's some more to it. But, uh, you know, another one of the things that's really plaguing Impact that I hear that they're, you know, supposedly supposed to be changing soon because I hear they're also supposed to be showing their weekly episodes on YouTube now. Uh, I don't know when that's going to start. I think one of the biggest reasons that, impact maybe i feel like impact management should have like i mean and again we don't know what they're doing behind the scenes but i feel like there should have been some more push for their 
talent to be featured more prominently with AEW people. Uh, but that at the same time, though, man, I mean, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes or, you know, what's happening business wise. But I got to think that eventually, you know, you're going to end up having to, you know, cut the cord somewhere with that. If you're just tuning in, once again, we've got it is we're talking all things wrestling with uh, the host of Knockouts and Three Counts. And we got to talk about Money in the Bank. And I'm hoping, as I said, when, when if WWE goes, wrestling goes. If they're doing hot, everybody in all pro wrestling is doing hot because more fans are getting involved in it here. How big is this for them, this upcoming pay-per-view card, wherever it will be fans, no more of this pumped-in crowd music, and they need to do something because right now Raw is unwatchable. SmackDown's sort of it's – it's a Roman Reigns show, basically. Hey, man, SmackDown's been good in my opinion, but – but even then, they've had they've had some issues. But how how big is this pay per view for WWE to go? Okay, let's reset everything. Let's start getting things back to just what what it could be instead of just what it is. Uh, I mean, honestly, dude, let's be honest. In uh, I mean, let's be honest. It's huge for them. Uh, Money in the Bank. I got to go to the one in 2018 in uh, Chicago. Uh, I was there for that one and the takeover with it. Um, I think this is crucial for WWE because let's face it at this point, they are now the last ones to get out to fans, which that was a little bit surprising because even ring of honor, uh, you know, went back to full capacity before they got to, but I mean, it's no secret that a lot of fans, myself included, and I would say probably you, haven't been uh, the most entertained by what's going on with raw. So, I mean, now that you've got fans, you know, here's the thing, when they were doing the Thunderdome, they were able to kind of control the narrative for the most part, because there's piped in crowd noise. There's nobody there to really, you know, boo and you're telling them what to cheer for and all that, or at least that's how it seems at times. Um, Now is going to be the first real like, okay, we mentioned Roman Reigns, right? I would say that if we're looking at, and and I'll pose this question to you. I mean, if we're looking at it on the WWE side of who's been the MVPs of, you know, MVPs for them during the pandemic, I think it's pretty safe to say that three of the names that you'd have to name would have to be Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, and uh, Bailey. I would say. Uh, I feel like... Um, by far Roman is the biggest one after that. But I mean, they, I feel like they really need to come out with something hot, whatever that's going to be for money in the bank, because if they go out there and have a pay-per-view and it just, you know, shits the bed, uh, that, that could be, that could be trouble for them. But then again, I also feel like they will be working with, uh, a little bit of an advantage too, because they've seen the other ones go back a, but also it'll be their first show. So we'll see if they get any slack from the fans, but like you mentioned earlier, you know, the stuff they've been putting out on raw and the fact that wrestling fans are a little ruthless, maybe not. <laughs> Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. This should, in theory, there's theory and there's reality. In theory, this should tear the house down. We know that we've seen them do it. Charlotte Flair, you know, I know people hate her, but, she is a next generational talent. Rhea Ripley, in my mind, is one of the best female wrestlers in the on the planet. I even put her up there with 
Tessa Blanchard. I'd put her up there with Deanna Perrazzo. I'd put her up with even Britt Baker, maybe even better than them. And yet you look at the way their program, it has been horrible. And I can't blame them because it's basically, you know, they're giving chicken crap and they're going, okay, well, we got to try something with this year. How in danger are they to just being ruined? All because Vince McMahon doesn't seem to understand how to book female wrestling over in Raw. Well, dude, I mean, we talk about this on our show a bunch in that it seems as though, man, like you look at Rhea Ripley, just the name that you mentioned. Okay, so Rhea Ripley, when she was in NXT, was a badass. Everybody, most people were fans of Rhea Ripley. She had that different look and everything. But I mean, even if you look at what we've seen from her on Raw since she's come up to the main roster, you immediately pissed a lot of fans off by just giving her a title shot by asking for one. Then you start changing her look when she was already so much different than anything else you had on that roster as well. Uh, I mean, I think that's it's blatantly obvious in the fact that if you look at the women's rosters across the three brands, if I'm not mistaken, there's only seven women on SmackDown right now. Uh, I mean, that pretty much says everything you need to know. Now, are they do I like what they're doing by bringing uh names like Tony Storm or Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox or Shotzi and Knox is what they're calling them now? I think these are all good names, but again, it goes back to how they're being booked. Cause even like with uh, Tegan Knox, man, like you just bring her back to cost Dakota Kai and show up and finally go and get her, get back from getting her knee smashed at war games. And then you pull her out before she even gets to fight her. I don't, uh, man, the inconsistency with their booking is why uh, they're a lot of why their women are in the trouble that they're in. And secondly, I mean, let's face it, they're also at a detriment because they're missing some of their biggest stars. I mean, Sasha Banks has been gone. Becky Lynch was pregnant, uh, you know, and everybody, like you said, everybody wants to hate on Charlotte Flair, but let's face it, dude, Charlotte Flair is, if not, is probably arguably the best female wrestler of all time so far. And if we're talking about overall athletes, I would say she's probably in the top two or three in the whole company. So, I mean, they have some of the talent there, but again, it goes back to what we talk about on our show a lot. It's like when they leave NXT and go to the main roster, there's just this disconnect, man, because I literally can go through a list of names of people who, you know, they killed it on NXT. I mean, look at, uh, and then talking about that Tegan Knox, Tegan Knox thing, look at what that does to Ember Moon. Like you just built up this whole tag team with Shanti Blackheart and Ember Moon, and then you just, that's it. Uh, the inconsistency in their booking definitely is hurting their women's division. Speaking of inconsistencies, tag team title match, AJ Styles almost versus Viking Raiders. The War Raiders, the war, I call them, they are the war machine. They were stars in New Japan wrestling. Everybody remembers them versus KES versus Gorillas of Destiny were it was tag team Nirvana. That was almost like, dare I say, Road Warriors versus Steiners versus Midnight Express. Just three teams that beat the piss out of each other and then kept doing it again and again and again, putting on great matches. Now there are these, I guess, Viking Raiders who've been turned into a comedic joke. You have Omos, who is a Vince McMahon kind of guy, big, you know, you know, gigantic, not much talent right now, but 
He's big and gigantic. And AJ Styles being told, hey, you got to carry this whole program and, you know, wrestle your heart out and basically be the guy in peril. What the hell happened to the tag team division? I mean, for years with even Usos, New Day, uh, Heart Foundation, Bulldogs, Steiners versus Money, Inc., even, you know, the Dudleys, Edge and Christian versus Hardys. How the hell did we get to this? Well, I think in my personal opinion, I mean, I think it's not uh, too far-fetched to say that Vince isn't the biggest fan of tag teams, never really has been. Uh, if that's not evidenced by what you see there. And uh, as you mentioned, I was a big fan of War Machine or the War Raiders when they came over to uh, WWE and NXT. They were killing it in NXT, but again, it's another example of when uh you know when they come to the main roster it's not uh it's not the same thing so with that being said i'm not surprised by it at all but i mean look at what you've got if you look historically i mean wwe hasn't gotten behind uh too many straight tag teams in a while i mean let's face it you mentioned aj and almost you've got arguably one of the best talents in the company with a young guy to help bring them up but i mean they're two singles guys they're not a tag team there was no real story as to why they came together other than the fact that he was a bodyguard now we've seen that work in the past with things like sean michaels and you know diesel and things like that but Overall, I mean, it's not because they have uh, they have bad tag teams. Because let's talk about the Street Profits. You mentioned, you know, teams that they got. I mean, uh, here in Michigan, before the pandemic and everything kind of screwed everything up. I mean, dude, Evolve came here a lot, and they had some badass matches in Evolve as a tag team. So it's not because they don't have good tag teams, but I feel like on the main roster, as far as Raw and SmackDown, look at SmackDown. You had the Dirty Dogs as the champions, you know, Rude and Ziggler. I mean, you can't find too many uh, better pure wrestlers than that, or just wrestlers in general as far as entertainers. And then even with what they had with Mysterio and uh, his son, Dominic, you got a built-in story right there with it. It just seems like in 2021, they don't seem to really care about tag team matches because then again, when you go back and look at uh, NXT, who again, look at who's running it, you got Triple H and Shawn Michaels. You know, Triple H wasn't the biggest tag team guy, but let's not forget Shawn Michaels was part of the Rockers and all that stuff. And then you've got tag team matches and NXT that blow blow the house off with uh, blow the roof off the house at takeover. So, I mean, I think it's apparent that tag team wrestling isn't the number one priority when it comes to WWE. Uh, it sucks, but I feel like that's what we're seeing as opposed to AEW where they set off rip, you know, their tag team titles were going to mean something. Bobby Lashley versus Kofi Kingston. Oh, look, I, one of the few guys I think WWE has done a great job with has been Lashley. He's they finally, you know, said, okay, we're going to make him into a monster, a serious monster. And look, he's one of the few guys you could actually say can beat up the entire roster. He is a legitimate mixed martial arts fighter. He looks the part. Very, you know, he can actually talk. How bad is this going to be, though, at the end when he will probably go over Kofi Kingston? Because already reports are that they've brought in Bill Goldberg. It will be Lashley versus Goldberg. <sighs> How bad is it going to be where you have a, a guy who's nearly pushing mid-50s versus 
Bobby Lashley is, you know, in his mid-40s, and WWE keeps saying, oh, yes, we're trying to invest in new talent. Uh, so that's the thing, though. I mean, let's let I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I feel like when it comes to new talent, I mean, you got to look at the tale of two tapes uh, on the main roster. I mean, you've heard how many people say it over the years. You know, you're working for uh, you're working for an audience of one. Right. So, I mean, just because you and I may like something that doesn't always mean that they'll run with it. And they meaning, uh, you know, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, when we're talking about Vince. So, I mean, they have the new talent, but again, when you look, even if you look at uh, like the names that they're going to sign, you know, when people are signing, like uh, B Priestley just signed with NXT UK, great pickup for the women, but you never really see them go and pick up tag teams. Cause even if you remember, uh, uh in nxt they had the mighty don't kneel shane thorne and uh uh damn what's the other guy's name um i can't think of his partner's name but they were an established tag team in australia they wwe is just not somewhere where they they really i feel like value tag teams in my opinion how bad is bobby lashley versus goldberg gonna be i mean and I know Vince, as I said, Vince loves big muscle guys. He's always been a muscle guy. Roman Reigns is his type of guy. Omos is his type of guy. Big E, uh, even, um, you know, Edge was built, you know, and all of a sudden like a tank. How is this, how bad is this going to be where, it's, once again, it's, it's the owner loves it and the fans are going to hate it because he sees, oh, two big strong guys lashing, you know, over – Bill Goldberg, and once again, fans want more of Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan or Kofi Kingston versus Matt Riddle. How bad are fans going to crap on the Kingston-Lashley match when Goldberg shows up? So you're dead set that Goldberg's going to show up, huh? They've already announced it. They've said he is coming back. Coming back, but does that mean that he's going to be going, you know, does that mean that he's going to immediately be going after Lashley? That seems like the plan when you think, who else is there? I mean, they brought... You can't put Drew against him because the fans, I think, will revolt. You can't do Riddle because he's just – there is no momentum. I mean, they we've seen with both Reigns and Lashley, it's sort of, well, we've run out of names. We're not bringing in part-timers. So, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, uh, let's be honest. Um, that match is obvious. That's always going to be a match that they may go for there for sure. Uh, but that being said, it's like, I feel like the more times they keep going to this well with Goldberg, man, uh, they're gonna, they're gonna ruin it because, you know, let's face it. Goldberg is getting up there in age. Look at what happened between him and undertaker. Now, am I saying that if he comes back that they can't have a good match, but I mean, if they bring in Goldberg and he gets another title shot like that, I feel like fans, just like you said, they would revolt if it's Drew. I would argue that they would revolt more if it was Goldberg because, again, you're bringing in a guy from the outside to just go over. Uh, I, I, for one, was there when Kofi Mania happened or, you know, when it sparked at WrestleMania. Uh, Kofi Kingston, even from the promo work he's been doing, why can't you run with that for a little while more? Uh, and I feel like with Lashley, you know, there's still the story that's there as to, you know, eventually when him and, uh, you know, MVP implode, uh, 
there's so many different places they can go, but I just feel like I feel like the match for them to make would be eventually the match that I feel like most wrestling fans have said uh, they would like. Uh, they would like to see and I think the match for them to make with that would be Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar now will that ever happen I don't know or not Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar um, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley excuse me Uh, I don't know if we'll see that or if we do when that'll be but I feel like that would be more the match to make rather than Goldberg versus Lashley last last topic for the end of the show we have it'll be the money in the bank ladder match and usually every year you look and go, okay, there's a couple of candidates. And you're looking forward to it here. Who the hell do you pick for both men and women? Uh, the women, as we've seen, Naomi has, has been treated like a joke. You have uh, Asuka basically would be a, a repeat. Natalie and Natalia, to me, are tag teams basically that nobody cares about. Zelina Vega, you've already treated like a jobber. Liv Morgan, they've treated as a jobber. Nikki Ash, well, that's a whole different ball of wax I can't get into. And Alexis Bliss is now playing sort of carry on steroids. Uh, and we'll go with the men's, but who gets the women, the women's money in the bank ladder match? And is there any safe pick that fans won't go, no? Can you go over the list for me one more time? Asuka, Naomi, Alexis Bliss, Nikki Ash, Liv Morgan, Zelina Vega, and Natalia and Tamina. I'll be honest with you. I think the only name that would make any sense just for the intrigue of what they're going to do with it, uh, as crazy as it might sound, I think, uh, I mean, now who I think they're going to give it to and who I think would be the right name to do it. Those are two different things. But to answer your question, I think uh, if Zelina Vega or Liv Morgan could get it, I mean, dude, they did that big special on Liv Morgan and then whatever happened with Liv Morgan. especially now that you've gotten rid of Ruby Riot, I think this would be the perfect thing for Liv, especially with what they've got going on. For me, I'm going to pick Liv Morgan in this one, especially with how they keep teasing that with Sonya. Who do you think gets it? I think Liv Morgan gets it. Yeah, all right. I think it's going to be, unfortunately, either Nikki Ash or Alexa Bliss. And I look, I have no problem with both of them. They've done yeoman's work considering they've been given storylines which a five-year-old goat. This is stupid. But as yeah, said, I can't argue that. This is what Vince loves. Vince loves funny stuff. And they, well, they are funny. Uh, we moved to the men's. Ricochet, John Mo- Ricochet, John Morrison, Riddle, Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kevin Owens, King Nakamura, and Seth Rollins. Uh, is, is the only answer Big E simply because they can't do Rollins a third time. Owens seems to be wanting to take time off. Nakamura, Ricochet, and Morrison all are just sort of dead in the water. And well, and Riddle's getting, you know, Riddle still has stuff with Orton. Drew McIntyre, the fans will revolt. They will revolt again. It will be like shoving ice cream down your throat for the 18th time going, no, I like ice cream, but no, stop. Man, so John Morrison is something that's really bummed me out ever since they brought him back. Uh, I feel like he never really got to do what I think he was capable of doing um, in – WWE the first time whether that be maybe kind of some of uh you know maybe some of that being his fault I don't know because we don't ever really know the the true story when it comes to uh when it comes to what happens behind the scenes man but oh dude it 
I mean, I, I think we're, I feel like we're singing the same song and dance with just the, the repetitive stuff that they keep doing with this. And then when you, when you have the men's money in the bank, it's like, I don't, okay, here's a perfect example they had last year. You know, you had one of the biggest stars they had in that company at the time in Otis because he got over like organically the guy wins the money in the bank and then you just take the money in the bank off him for no reason. And now he's what with Chad Gable, it just, my worry with the money in the bank is the money in the bank was always like the springboard for, you know, maybe another breakout talent. Uh, I feel like that's kind of the route they need to go. That's why for me, I think uh, Liv Morgan should be it, but like somebody like John Morrison, man, it's insane to me. Like, I tweeted about this when they had the match with him and Ricochet on Raw. It's sad that so many WWE fans don't even know anything about the matches between Johnny Mundo versus Prince Puma from Lucha Underground or the stuff they've done in AAA. Like, uh, obviously, mainstream wrestling fans maybe don't dive into things as deep, but like, I just think that WWE does a disservice to themselves a lot of times by not uh, acknowledging what people do outside of there, especially people like Morrison, who we know went and was champion pretty much everywhere else outside WWE. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to have him on the show. And all he's up and talk about all things and more. I give you once again, the host of knockouts and three counts. I give you, it is uh, Kyle here. Before I let you go, where can where can we check out the show? Where is besides, of course, you know the Blue Wire Hustle? Where is the YouTube channel, the Twitter, Instagram? Like, where can fans check out Knockouts and Three Counts? You can check us out anywhere you can find podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Facebook. We are live every Tuesday and Thursday at nine. Uh, if there's not going to be an episode that day, all you got to do is check out our social medias at Ko Three C Pod on Twitter and Instagram uh knockouts and three counts uh podcast on facebook uh like i said man you never know what you're gonna really see from us man we've had uh such the wide range of people on during this pandemic i mean dude we've had everybody from stevie ray to chris van vliet who's a fellow blue wire podcast host to uh I mean, we've had guys from UFC and Bellator and Bare Knuckle FC. And then sometimes we're just shooting the shit like we're doing here and talking about all the different things, pro wrestling and MMA and boxing and all those things. So you can find us on all those platforms. And like I said, if you any of you guys who are listening to this or listen to this in post are going to be at AEW All Out or SummerSlam, just look for your boy because uh, we're going to be there. Make sure you hit the subscribe on our YouTube because I will be shooting a vlog uh of the whole event and even going down to extreme couture in vegas to train a little bit with one of our buddies and past guests of the show of the ufc uh mr justin james like i say man it's uh it's gonna be a good time once again ladies and gentlemen i give you kyle collison of uh it's knockouts and three counts always great to have him on the show we come back final thoughts plus a recap of kyle and andrew maloney what the hell's going on with them all this and more only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on. It is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Mm-hmm.